Hello and welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 79. One throw for the cookies, nerd. I'm Brendan. And I'm Spindles. And on today's show, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> we do. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in. Um, <laughs> <With> a crowbar. <laughs> we've got our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 review. There is how I felt after the end of my Star Wars Day movie marathon. Mm. Uh, we have Doctor Who being fucking awesome. And the awesomeness that is American Gods. Yeah. Uh, and we got sent a festival screener for a short film called Eddie mm-hmm. as well, which we've uh, just had a watch before the show. And a whole bunch of other stuff, Blade Runner trailers yeah. amongst other things. So yes, we we have a fuck ton to, yes. <laughs> to try and grow yes. our into the show. That, that, is the, that is the correct metric. The metric fuck ton. Yeah. So where shall we start? <laughs> where shall we start? Oh, well, okay, let's do Guardians first, yeah. because it's the easiest, and I, I assume we both agree that it is one of the finest things we've seen in a long time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's, 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 it's quite easily as good as the first one, if not better. I, I, I thought it significantly outpaced the first one in yeah. terms of a lot of things. It's, uh, yeah, I think the only downside for me, the only downside for me is that it made it put me in the position where I have to work out which of the previous top five Marvel films now have to shun down the way for Guardians drop 2. out of the top five because Guardians two is definitely in my top five. Um, Would it kick out Guardians from the top no. five, or is it is it something, no, something it, else like no. Iron Man three or something that it would? Shun uh, it's out? probably it's probably um, Iron Man, mm. the first Iron Man. Okay, um, I still rate Ant Man as better. Mm, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, Guardians Volume 2 is the first 10 out of 10 film I've seen since the last Guardians, Yeah, if I'm completely honest. No, and, and, and fair play on that. I mean, I, it, it did, it had everything. And I, I've got to, you know, particularly I was really impressed with the, uh, the, the, the I don't know, what, what is the technical term for it? The youngening of Kurt Russell? Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the Benjamin Buttoning. Oh, no, no. Benjamin Button goes the other way, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, no. So it's the, the anti-Benjamin Buttoning of Kurt Russell. Yeah. Is that, I, is that I, a I'm thing? Sure that, I'm sure there's a technical term for it. So if anyone knows the technical term, please let us know what it is. If, I, I, I would say it's the, the N-Youngening. <laughs> the N-Youngening. N-Youngening feels like it should be a thing. I, I think it should. Uh, but I thought it was done a lot better and looked a lot less forced and a lot less CGI than I've seen in, in a lot of films of like, you know, Rogue One included and... Yeah, uh, Tron um, 2. Yeah, Tron 2 and also um, Robert Downey Jr. in um, Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when he's flashing back to his presentation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's the best version of showing a much younger version of an actor. Uh, I, I thought it was awesome. It, it, it looked flawless. Yeah. Um, which could be said about the film as a whole. Like, really good, it was yeah. visually stunning. Um, I'd been playing around with the idea of writing a review for it because I always mean to write reviews about the films I see, but never quite get around to it. But I've been knocking drafts back and forth with you for a bit. Mm. Um, we, we've spoken on the show before about how some of the best Marvel films uh, are the ones that take a normal genre film and just apply a superhero lens to it. And we've said that Ant-Man's a heist film. Uh when the soldier is a Cold War spy drama. Yeah. That's why they work so well. They've already got the story there, and you already have this sort of 
cultural memory of what that film should do. So you see it and you watch it in that regards. And the fact that it's a superhero film is neither here nor there. It, it's secondary to it that you know the the, the key thing is is those thematic yeah. elements. Um, Guardians two, I think I've mentioned this to you briefly on an email. Feels like a callback to like the Cameron Crowe, John Hughes, White films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Family movies. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it's it is. A it's, journey of discovery. It's all about the relationships between the characters. It's a very, it's a very personal film set in a very vast universe. Yeah. Um, and incredibly well done. Uh, a few people have mentioned it to me, and I tend to agree, um, that James Gunn handles the. The ensemble cast better than Whedon does mm-hmm. in well, especially in Age of Ultron. Maybe not so much the original Avengers, but Age of Ultron for sure. Um, and every single character got moments of development, even new ones like Mantis. They all got <coughs> they all got those little bits of extra depth to their character. Um, I was especially glad to see that Nebula got some. Very much that, because I, mean, I, I think we said previously that Nebula was criminally underused yeah. in the first Guardians film, and it was great to see her have a much bigger part, and also the hint that she's going on to something even bigger after this as well. Yeah. I mean, and again, interestingly, there's some, some really unusual themes being touched on uh, for the sort of film that it is. I mean, there is... I think an IO9 article mentioned it this week that actually that Nebula and Gamora conversation touches on themes of like child abuse. Mm, yeah. Like the, the parental figure of Thanos doing what he did to the, the two of them. Um, but that's what I like about James Gunn. He's not afraid to tackle these sort of things and put them into a film like this mm. in a way that he can, he can tell the story. Uh, but yeah. I, think he does, I, I think he does a very good job of building Thanos up as a bad guy, not just because he is, you know, this massive intergalactic creature that has the Infinity Stones and stuff, but because he was a shit dad and, yeah. he, and he was unpleasant to his children. Yeah. And I think that makes it a lot more personal and makes him a lot more dislikable as a bad guy. And I think that's great. Yeah. And the whole theme of bad fathers is something that runs through the movie like you've got mm. Thanos to Gamora and Nebula and you've got it's the Ego. bad versus the good fan. yeah and then you have the, the character of Yondu yeah. who is ultimately redeemed yeah oh I swear to god if you did not cry oh I know yeah if, when if you didn't you have no heart whatsoever you have a heart stone yeah. like that was super emotional yeah it was you know it, and, and I think that's the main thing about the film is it was one of those things one of those kind of films that you are you are flitting between laughing out loud, crying with laughter, crying with sadness, feeling emotional for the characters. There were big highs and big lows, yeah. and it was you know it, it much as it's a cliche term, it was a roller coaster ride of emotion yeah. throughout the entire film, and it was so well done. Yeah, I don't feel like like my usual go to complaint for a film. Like if I'm trying to review a film, and I think I can't be too overly gushy about it I usually look at pacing mm. it's a very last resort I look at pacing to see if it's well paced and like I couldn't find fault with Guardians there it slowed down in places but when it did it did so for a reason it did so to let Drax and Mantis have a conversation or to let 
ego and uh, style of having a conversation. Or to let Rocket and Yondu have yeah. a conversation. Yeah. Uh, that, for me, was one of the finest yeah. moments of the film, was the conversation between Rocket and Yondu. When Yondu sees Rocket in himself. Yeah, I, I thought that was utterly amazing. Yeah. That was such a wonderful scene. Because it had been building up to it with Rocket being unpleasant to everyone, pushing everyone away, and then Yondu just affronting with it was just perfect. Yeah, it's like the janitor and um, Bender in... Breakfast Club. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I'm getting the John Hughes vibe from the yeah, whole film. Yeah, totally. You know? but, yeah, it, it was it was awesome. It was a, a, a big-hearted film. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's not even touching on kind of Drax and, and his kind of childish innocence and the way that he was portrayed as a character and uh, and his reactions to certain circumstances in the film, again, made him a much bigger character. Drax was the real MVP of the movie, I'm sorry. but no, I, I, I would have, agree with you. I have legendarily large turds. It's a line that... <laughs> 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 not only feel, but... <laughs> hashtag can relate, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was start to finish uh, an, an incredible journey. Um, I would say, aside from altering my top five, if I did have one small gripe, it would be the soundtrack didn't feel quite as strong as the first one. I don't, um, think, it, I don't think it ever could. Uh, and I think that's just because of how important that soundtrack yeah. was in the first film. And I think, you know, that the whole awesome mix volume two, while it was a nice thing, I think it, it, it shouldn't have been focused on quite so much in this film. I, I think it was great what I loved was the giving him the iPod and everything, and that has yeah. thousands of songs yeah. on it, and that's great. We had the zoo, or whatever. Yeah. We had the zoo. Wow. My, do you know what? My, my first ever MP3 player, uh, I bought this, it was in 2000. Uh, and it was, oh, was it by Creative? It was a Creative Rio, I think it was called the MP3 Rio. And it had. Uh, 56 meg of memory. Wow. I could store nine songs on it. Wow. And oh, some fucker <laughs> stole it from me in a pub. Jesus. And it, it, it had nine corn tracks on it. And <laughs> it had a proprietary cable to it. So whoever stole that thing is stuck with the same fucking nine corn tracks and I hope you choked on them. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was an aside. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah, soundtrack not quite as strong, but the the the, the tracks that were the strongest were synced perfectly. Um, Mr. Blue Sky at the start was just an absolute stroke of fucking genius. And if you had any doubts or anything like that about whether it was going to be as good as the first one, as soon as that song starts and that combat starts with that song, like it was just. I was yeah. I was sold. Like I think that that whole title sequence opening was just. Uh, it was phenomenal. I loved the way that you know they they they've basically blown a fuck ton of budget filming this massive action scene and then just blurred the whole thing out. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fucking brilliant. That's awesome. uh, that that uh, that for me is Marvel going. Look, we can do this. Fuck you all. <laughs> and I think that's genius. Yeah. For a company to be that that comfortable with where they are in in current pop culture, I think is genius. Yeah. And then, of course, The Chain, uh, by Fleetwood Mac, and uh, Father and Son by Cat Stevens. And, mm. like, Father and Son by Cat Stevens, that, that the sync on that track, the, the choice of its, its moment in the movie was absolutely perfect. Um, but, yeah. Guys of the Galaxy, Volume 2, 10 out of 10. 
like James Gunn has done it again. I'd like to say he's bottled lightning twice with these two films, but that would be unfair to James Gunn. He's bottled lightning a lot more than that. Mm. Go and watch Super. Go and watch Sliver. Hell yeah, Super is, is yeah. a fucking amazing film. It's Sliver, Beck and Villiams and Sliver, isn't yeah. it? Sliver, yeah. Hell, go on YouTube and watch his PG porn series. Yeah. Like, anything James Gunn touches has just been phenomenal yeah, for I, I many, many really. years. I, I, I guess my only concern is, once again, it's set the bar very, very high for the rest of the movies to follow. Yeah, but he's already started writing Volume 3. But that's great, but that doesn't help us for the rest of <laughs> this current phase of Marvel movies that he's not involved in. Yeah, and that's I think that, That's what I mean by it's kind of, you know it's set the bar very, very high for where they need to go next and given the next movie is a potentially troublesome Spider-Man outing. Um, And then you have Thor Ragnarok that we seem to have waited forever for. Thor Ragnarok is going to be fucking spectacular. I really hope it is because it feels like it's the one that we've waited the longest for. It feels like we've literally heard nothing from Thor since he disappeared after the end of the second Avengers, uh, Avengers movie. And we've had no hint as to what he's up to or anything, whereas we've seen all the rest of the characters, barring Hulk, since then. Yeah. Um, he was in the end credits of Doctor Strange, wasn't he? Thor was in the end credits scene? Uh, what was he? I don't remember. Mm. I've, I've, I've only, I only saw it at the cinema and I don't remember now. I'm oh, not... speaking of end credits scenes, five of the fuckers in Guardians. <laughs> yeah, five. Okay. With... So let's talk about this. Right. People. Why the fuck do you still get up and walk out yeah. at the end of Marvel movies? What is wrong with you? <laughs> People will never learn. Seriously, what is wrong with you? You know that there's going to be at least one. And it was well established that there was going to be five for this one. Um, so you missed out on quite a few really cool things. You missed out on Teenage Group being surly <laughs> in his room. And that, well, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> but more importantly, you missed out on Aisha... Um, mm-hmm. on the message of her plan, which is a golden cocoon with him inside, you know, or, or Adam. It's, yeah, Adam. As, as she so calls him. So, she does call him Adam, so we're, we're going to see Adam Warlock yes. soon. It was, it was kind of hinted at at the end of Guardians 1 with the cocoon in the collector's yeah, thing. Uh, also nice to see Howard the Duck back again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in an on, in, in, in film role. In, in, in film reference. And also, the other, I think one of the characters that was with Howard the Duck was played by Castle's daughter. Molly Quinn? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, maybe. it was, because I, I saw Molly Quinn's name in the credits, and I was like, what the fuck? What was she? And, she? and then I looked back, and I was like, oh, she was in the scene. Oh, okay. Nice. So, yes, that, there, was, there were a lot of cameos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot. So, okay, let's talk about the big cameo. The Watchers and Stan Lee. Yeah. So there's... A th- there's two things. One, it kind of establishes the Watchers as part of Marvel canon. That's one way of looking at it. The second way of looking at it is that it's just James Gunn having a tip of the hat to the internet rumours that Stanley's cameos in every film are him as a Watcher. Um, I'm, I'm not sure which I prefer. Like, we've discussed this earlier. Like, yeah. If the, the Watchers are canon, the concern is that they're going to do a Secret Wars, or a Secret Invasion uh, Secret Wars sort of uh, universe reboot for Phase 4, and given that they recently announced that the title for Avengers 4 has changed from Infinity Wars Part 2 to an unknown name yet, because it's got a spoiler in it. It's going to be Avengers it's, Secret War, isn't it? It could be Avengers Secret Wars. Um, 
That okay. Would be, that would be a setup. Yeah, it will be a setup, and I'm not sure how I feel about, you know, essentially a, a bomb going off in the middle of the universe and then rewriting it. I, I honestly don't know how I feel, because I've been saying for a long time now that you they keep adding in new characters, but they're not getting rid of any, and they do need to get rid of some. They do, and they've missed the chance to get rid of two so far. Yeah. Like, Captain America should have died in the Civil War. Yeah. Um, he should have. And he should have come back somehow because it's a comic universe, so it's possible. Well, during yeah. the first or second Infinity Wars story, mm-hmm. um, my preference would have been to have had him die in Civil War, have Iron Man retire end of number three, have Thor meet his end in Ragnarok, and then have the new Avengers team of Falcon, uh, Ant Man, Spider Man, uh, Scarlet Witch face off against Thanos in Part One, uh, Infinity Wars Part One fail to do anything and, and then, then have to bring the other guys back. come back yeah. um, but I don't write for Marvel <laughs> and they don't listen to me and I guess it will you know it, it's going to make Avengers 1 hit that empire note and I think it needs to I think it really needs to hit a, a, a real down note at some point because all of the films so far they always end on a high and they always set up the next and I think it really needs that down a note just to go actually you know what we might kill some people off it might not all be great you have to stick with it yeah yeah i think you're right i think a, a genuine down needs to needs to occur mm. on the screen because the last few films have dealt with consequences the way they haven't before especially civil war um but until until we see a character die when the avengers like die we don't get that yeah. impact of the consequence um, because they're they're still making the same mistakes. Uh, but yeah, we need we need an empire ending. We we really do. We need one of these films to just really kick us in the feels and then leave us till the next yeah. one. I think Marvel have built up more than enough. Um, don't get me wrong. Know. I think they can quite happily coast along doing exactly what they're doing. I just think for for me, it needs that just to. That that will then cement for me that this is like you know the the, the kind of premier cinema brand yeah. that you know they're not afraid to do that and I think they need to be they need to make that brave decision in killing someone off and just going no actually you know what that's it yeah we'll see how it goes yeah but that's if you know that's if the watchers are canon and we have Secret Wars coming up. Indeed. Well, but, but, I mean, well in, in all fairness, it, irrespective of that, they can do that anyway as part of the Infinity War. Yeah. They, can, they can finish the first part of the Infinity War on a massive down note. Yeah. And make you come back for more, regardless of what they do. Yeah, that's, which, which is what I think they, might, they, they should be doing or could be doing. Yeah. Um, it just very much depends whether this new title change for this Avengers 4 is because they're making Infinity War fit into one film. Mm. But we'll see. Uh, we've got a while to go yet before that comes out. Indeed. Well, but, okay, so I guess talking of Empire endings brings us on to talking about this year's Star Wars Day. <laughs> oh my god. I tw- uh, yeah, I machete ordered it, so I managed Okay, to... you, now, now you say you machete ordered it. Traditional machete order. Okay, so you didn't include Rogue One? No. Right, okay. So, yeah, I went episode 4, 5, uh, 2, 3, and 6, which. You know, was fine. Did you not hate two still? No, no, I didn't hate two. 
Not as much as one. Um, See, I hated two more than one. One was just a, a symbol of destroying everything I'd waited 15 years for. Yeah. Whereas two was just an atrocious movie. And we were talking about it earlier with reference to Spider-Man, how, you know, the, the, the most wonderful chemistry scenes between Padme and, and Anakin are when they're on completely different fucking planets, not in the same room, yeah. just gazing wistfully out into the sunset. It's a horrible, horrible movie. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Like, by that point, though, I'd watched two, so I think I was mostly eating during the second film. Right, well, <laughs> during, so, yeah. During well, yeah, because two is horrible. Three, I can kind of get behind. I like cause, three. Because, yeah, indeed, three has the thing that I was waiting for, which was the, the, the battle on Mustafar. Yeah. That's the, the one thing that pretty much every Star Wars fan was waiting for, was that fight at the end of three. Yeah. And that fight at the end of three redeemed, you know, in my, in my opinion, it redeemed the entire original trilogy and validated it and gave it a purpose. Three is great up until... <clears throat> apart from... No! Well, it's... it's apart from that bit. It, well, it's not even just the no bit. It's, it's the, the whole, oh, she's dying of a broken heart. There's nothing we can do about it with all our advanced technology shit. Yeah. But that, that's oh, another story. Oh, oh yeah, that's a, that's a robot chicken story. <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah, fuck you, fuck you. Glad fucking bushes of love <laughs> and seagull stuck in my head. Like so, it gets to the it gets to the uh, the training montage in, in, Empire. in Empire, and all I can fucking think of is that seagull's track. <laughs> so I tweet about it and of course Emma hits me up with fucking bushes of love <laughs> which was in my head for three days <laughs> okay. three days so, that was stuck in my head for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about and if you don't then I can't believe you missed this so far uh, you have to check out Bad Lip Reading uh, on YouTube and I'll, I'll, I will put the links to it in the show notes for this because there is uh, the uh, seagulls Stop it now, uh, which is all based around Yoda's training montage in Empire and a bad lip reading of that about seagulls poking you in the face. And it's utter genius. And then there's, there's another one, which is Bushes of Love, which is around Obi-Wan and Luke in episode four when they first meet. Uh, and, and both songs are absolute genius so if, if you don't know bad lip reading go and check it out watch those two and then as a side order watch all of their Walking Dead ones because yeah. they're all so great Bushes of Love is by far the best of the two tracks in my humble opinion the, produ- head with feet. <laughs> the production on that track is just insane <laughs> I really really enjoyed it but yeah but yeah, so thank you very much for that but yeah no, by the end of the day I was just absolutely wrecked. Um, I only managed to watch five films on Star Wars Day. I then watched episode seven the following day. But yeah. Machete Order is flawed in a little way. There are connections to episode one that you need to see episode one for. When they return, when Anakin returns to Tatooine to go and kill some sand people, 3PO's there. Yep. First time we see him in this film, and he knows Anakin, there's definitely a pre existing connection there, so you kind of do need to watch Phantom Menace. It doesn't. I think what you need is you need a supercut of episodes one, two, and three that start out with two, have a little bit of a flashback to what happened in one to establish a couple of facts, 
uh, and then cut back to the rest of uh, I'd want to cut out most of two and just go straight into three. Also, I don't think that's the way that I would introduce it to like if I have you know, God willing I have kids my own one day or like my nieces and my nephews and they're old enough to watch Star Wars. I don't think Machete Order is the way I would introduce it to them. Like, I think I would just go four, five, six. Well, indeed, and that, that's the way that I always will go. I will always show people four, five, and six because that's how it started. Yeah. And then you can watch the rest of it as an expanded universe. Because going four, five, and then two to three is fine. Going back to six after three, it, 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 it will feel wrong. It does feel wrong, yeah, and it will do because it's because it, they have a totally different feel to it. Those original movies focused way too much on the effects that were possible and not the heart of the film, and that's what loses it yeah. because you know Jedi, you know for the fact you know for all its failures with a bunch of Muppets in it, you know what. I really like Jedi. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. And it, you know, I, I have the most firm memories in my mind of any Star Wars film seeing them at the cinema. And Jedi is the one that is the most vivid in my mind going to see it at the cinema. And Jedi was the one that most TV show stations still had the license for mm. when I was growing up. So that was on more often at Christmas than the other yeah. Star Wars films. So, you know, I, I, it, it has a lot of heart as a film. And when you when you view it through a lens, I mean, and specifically, I don't watch any of the special edition versions. Yeah. I only watch the theatrical versions because that's what I grew up watching. Yeah. And you know, George, I I, I I appreciate that wasn't particularly your vision at the time, but you know, I like what you did the first time round, so stick with that. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, and yeah, so yeah. But yeah, so that, that's how I'd do it in the future. Like, it was fun to watch Machete Order and to make a big deal of it, but actually the disconnect between three and six was a little bit too much for me. And also I was fucking knackered. And I've got, like, nearly two minutes of Snapchat videos of, of myself during the day, and I might put the video up on YouTube or Twitter at some point. But yeah, I was... I showed the people at work, and I was just absolutely wrecked by the end of it. But... Hashtag worth it. And also, <laughs> we didn't talk that's about celebration, did we? Like, no. The Star Wars celebration was it was about a month ago now. Um, and if you get a chance to go on YouTube and watch some of the panels, I'd highly recommend it. I'd especially watch the tribute to Carrie Fisher, because um, it's beautifully done. And the 40 Years of Star Wars panel, because there's some great guests on there, as you'd imagine. Um, but at the end of it, John Williams comes out with his orchestra and plays Leia's theme. And I was blubbing like a little baby. <laughs> so emotional. And then, of course, they had the last Jedi panel and the new trailer. Mm. Uh, which is good, but it didn't uh, resonate with me as emotionally as the first Force Awakens trailer. I think because we haven't waited years and years and years for a Star Wars film. And that was the thing, yeah. So I, I think, you know, we, we'd we all waited. Well, me personally, I think I, I'd waited since 1986 and reading <laughs> the Jedi comics. And I remember reading in the, in the news articles at the end of that that they were planning to make three other films after it. So I've been waiting since 1986 to see what happened in the Force Awakens trailer. Yeah. So there is no way that anything was going to hit that same level with me. No. Um, but people are analysing what Luke says in this trailer 
and he says it's time for Jedi to end. Uh, it's really well cut together, and <clears throat> like it seems to be him saying, "There's only one thing I know to be true. It's time for Jedi to end." But if you go back and watch the trailer again, there's a big pause between the two bits as the scenes transition, and then the reverb on the vocal is totally different from one part to the next. I don't think they're going to be a full sentence in the, final, the finished film. My person, my, my initial belief was we're going to see some grey Jedi. Mm. That well, I, th- I think we're going to see a lot of Jedi, and I think this was uh, kind of it, it was something that was hinted at and then confirmed in the international titles of the films. So it's when in, in French it's referred to as Les Derniers Jedi, which is in the plural. Yeah. So it's not the last singular Jedi. It is about everyone who's left. Except um, Ryan Johnson has said it isn't. Well, I... <laughs> Ryan Johnson has said it's singular. And it's the last Jedi. But it, it can't be because of the international titles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we could see the Grey Paladins, the Grey Knights... Or it could simply be that when he says that in the film, it's right at the beginning before Ray had a chance to convince him otherwise. Because mm. it's a really fucking good hook for a trailer to end on. Oh, God, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's got people talking, which is the whole point of the trailer. That is the whole point, and, and generating um, hype for the film and stuff. So, you know. Yes. Here we but, are dissecting know, it. Yeah. But also, you know, if you saw the Rogue One trailers, like massive swathes of those trailers didn't make it into the movie. Mm. So yeah. we'll see what happens with uh, The Last Jedi. But yeah, that's just a very quick catch-up because that's saturated in the news now. You can go anywhere and find that stuff. And as we're talking trailers, then let's continue with the wonderfully tiny segues and talk about Blade Runner. We are more pro this this week than we've ever been. <laughs> this is just awesome. <laughs> so yeah, Blade Runner 2049. Now, we've both been a little bit wary about this, I think. I, I think that's putting it very, very yeah. mildly yeah. in my terms. Um, like I tweeted about it when I found out that Ridley Scott wasn't directing it a whole weight was lifted off my shoulder because I did not want him to fucking Prometheus Blade Runner you know mm. um, now the trailer doesn't give very much away in terms of plot so we can't really speak to what we think the film's going to be about or how excited we are with that regard but visually I think the looks and the really, aesthetic really good yeah the looks and the aesthetic yeah. of it seem to have nailed it yeah, and I enjoyed the synth. I know it's not a Vangelis synth, but no, it's um, uh, Johansson, I think, is the composer for this. Uh, it should, by the way, be Tom Raybould, who did the score for The Machine, mm. which is a fucking cracking synth laden score, which is more Vangelis like than anything I've heard in a long time. Uh, but yeah, no, the 2049, I'm actually on board with it. Like, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I know some people have sort of railed against Jared Leto. Uh, I think. I think I think he looked very good in the trailer. Yeah, and people are. I think people are still pissed at the Joker. Uh, yeah, it's still. I think it's still repercussions of yeah. Joker. But let's not forget, Jared Leto was an Oscar winner. Indeed. So and you know he's done some fucking amazing stuff, and it's you know not just in in, in recent times. You know that I mean Thirty Seconds to Mars are a fucking awesome band. I yeah. love them to bits. He, ha- I mean, he has a real appreciation and of Fight Club about. and a whole bunch of other stuff. And you know I I think he's criminally underrated for a lot of the stuff he does. Um, so yeah, I I'm not got a problem with him. Not a problem with any of the cast. The cast look great. Yep. I'm actually a massive Ryan Gosling fan. I think. So Ryan Young Goose. 
some of his films films are absolutely cracking. They are, uh, and, and I think the thing, as I said to you earlier on, I think the thing that that kind of gives me a little bit of hope of how how good he's going to be in this is his performance in Drive. Yep. Yep. And right. I think that very much fits that Blade Runner aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I have my concerns. Of, of, of course. And I think both of us are going to have our concerns, you know. I mean, after Ghost in the Shell and a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff that's happened recently, I think that, and, well, the potential drama around Ready Player One, then I think that Blade Runner is is, is poised in the middle of both of those for yeah. us. And I think it's, it's a very, very difficult time for someone to be trying to continue something that is so well regarded. Yeah, I think my concern is that it will fall into... Just a standard actioner. Yeah, a very generic actioner. Blade Runner was a postmodern masterpiece. Mainly because the source content um, of Philip K. Dick's book was postmodern. He was a massive postmodern writer. And and it was also you know it it was made and released when when postmodernism was a very big thing, uh, you know people were very very concerned around the dangers of technology and so forth. Whereas I think the contemporary audience is not quite so not quite so against technology now. So that's why I think postmodernism is very very difficult to achieve. Yeah. And that, I think that's where a lot of Ghost in the Shell f- fell over, was because it was trying to rewrite it to be about humans mixed with technology rather than just about what technology can achieve on its own. Yeah. And I'm concerned it's going to do the same thing in Blade Runner, that postmodernism is no longer the thing that it was. And it's now, uh, I guess, more post-humanism than postmodernism. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. well, like I said at the start, we can't really comment on the plot, but yeah, I mean, a shared concern, I think. Yeah, indeed. So it worries me, but you know, well, uh, again, I, I I can't slam it until I've seen it. Yeah. And that was my whole thing with Ghost in the Shell is I couldn't slam it until I'd seen it, and then I quite happily slammed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I I will wait and see. It's it's a continuation. It's not a reboot. It, you know, I, th- I think if it had been a reboot, I'd be a lot more reticent. If it had been a remake of, of if it had been a reboot, I'd been pissed. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I'd been, I, I'd be a lot more upset and a lot more anti it. But because it's a continuation of the story, it's fine. Although it upsets me that it's cementing an unanswered question about Deckard. Uh yeah, well yeah, I think that upsets me. Because that was that's always been a big bone of contention with the original film and the original plot. Yeah, and there's the hint of it in in the trailer when he says, "I'm here to ask you a few questions." About yeah, Harrison Ford's is it face. going to be a white camp? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it? Is yeah, it that sort indeed. of thing? So, yeah, we'll see. We will. But um, more optimistic about it than we have been for a while. So that's a that's a plus. I, I, yes, well, I, I'm actually vaguely optimistic, which is the first time it's <laughs> happened. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so then I guess on to other stuff that is unrelated. So let's talk Doctor Who and American Gods. Which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, well, we'll carry on from last time with Doctor Who. I think okay. uh, last time we were two for two. Now we're four for four. No, no, no. 
I really I'm, I'm not convinced that. with Fourth Fall. I, I I didn't enjoy Knock Knock. Really? Oh. Not as much as you did. I don't think it was an okay story. I just I think compared to the others, it felt like a bit of a filler. The plot felt very contrived, and it just it 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 seems to stick out like a sore thumb in the middle of it as to why they're all there and why they're involved. It doesn't seem like a normal Doctor storyline. Oh, for me, it felt it felt great. Uh, oh, David, okay. David Suchet as the landlord was spectacular, especially once the reveal happens at the end and he realizes that actually he's mm-hmm. the kid and it's his mother. Like the way he plays the kid as the old man was incredible. I thought the effects on uh, his his mother when she was 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 wooden was actually pretty good. Um, but the part for me that really shit me up, and I tweeted about this, because I'm 36, I'm too old to be freaked out by Doctor Who, god damn it, um, was when they knock on the door of the guy who fancies Bill. Yeah. And he gets the knock knock back. And, and it starts reverberating yeah, around. around. So I was watching, I watching on headphones as well, but that sent <laughs> fucking chills through me. Um, yeah, the story, okay, I can kind of see the contrivance of these little creatures and everything. They they, had, they basically had a really good idea of how to freak, freak someone out. And then came up with and a crappy excuse. Yeah. So I can kind of concede to that. I'd have been happier with ghosts or something, I don't know, but... I'd have been happy with a ghost light sort of story. Yeah, I just think... I, I think just for me, it just it felt a little bit too contrived, a little bit too cheesy. However, the character work between the Doctor and Bill... Oh, God, yeah. ...was yeah. as phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, I, th- I think this is Capaldi's series. Yeah. I had a long chat on Twitter with a couple of people about this as well. This is the best sort of performance we've seen from a Doctor in recent years. Yeah. I, like, I will agree with you wholeheartedly. He, he has the quiet assuredness of Sebastian McCoy. I, I, I love that it's now back to the kind of earthbound third Doctor. Yeah. yeah. I think someone commented that Capaldi in this series is like Tom Baker trying to be John Pertwee. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, that's pretty, it's pretty good. I think it's great. And I'm, I'm hoping it continues. And uh, I don't know, I, I guess my... My thoughts on who's behind the door is it's got to be the master. Yeah, of course it is. But which version? I think it's John Sims. You think it's John yeah. Sims? I think it's the master. Because I think it's Missy. No, I think it's the master. I think right. it's master master, not Missy master. Because I think it's Missy behind there. And I, I think that we're going to see Missy get the John Sims master back later. Okay. That's my thoughts. But it, yeah, it's, it's obviously the master. I'm looking forward to how that plays out. And they are nice little bits at the end of episodes at the moment. They are. And it shows the relationship between the Doctor and the Master. Yes. And I think better than it has in a while. Yeah. Yeah. So far, for me, four for four. Um, Yeah. I I, I think I was slightly let down by Knock Knock. Don't get me wrong. It's nowhere near as bad as any episodes that have happened in the past. But... 
I think this series is still the strongest that yeah. we've seen in a long time. And uh, oh, we, we went to the Doctor Who experience. You did, didn't you? We did. And, and we went torchwood hunting around <laughs> Cardiff, and that was awesome. So, yeah, we, we found the entrance to, to Torchwood. Yeah, all I could do was just watch endlessly as your photos came up online. <laughs> and it was great, and the Doctor Who experience was fantastic. It, we weren't sure what we were expecting, and it was a nice kind of in-character walkthrough type thing where the guide has conversations with Capaldi's Doctor on a screen. Oh, brilliant. So it's, it's all acted and it's all done through. So you, you do that and it, it and you you go through various time periods. So you, you go to Scarrow, then you go to, um, oh, I can't remember what the other planet was, but then you, you go to, well, you start you start in Gallifrey Museum, then you go to Scarrow, and then you go into the, the TARDIS, so you're in the, in the console room and everybody has to hold on to a joystick and stuff. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's great to get everyone involved. And then you end up at Totter's Lane and nice. walk through Totter's Lane and then eventually you get stranded in the 60s is how the, 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 it plays out and then you walk through the museum. So it, it was really cool. It's kind of like uh, Alien War moved on many, many steps from when I did Alien War when I was a teenager. Nice. Uh, so it, it was really cool. And then, yeah, we, we wandered around Cardiff. We went to Yanto's Shrine down oh, at the Torchwood yeah. entrance. And, yeah, Megan had a single man tear. So, yeah, it was great. And, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. And, uh, I think we'll go back to Cardiff again to have a bit more of an explore. Cause it's, That's cool. Yeah, I like, really I like cool. Cardiff. Cardiff is nice. I'd, this, it was our first time there, so ah. it was it was really cool. And we enjoyed just, yeah, we went there, did the Doctor Who experience, then checked in the hotel, and then just started wandering around Torchwood spotting. Yeah, I went to see uh, Incubus there. God, must be about 19 years ago now. Okay. Um, and yeah, went for a week, took a weekend break, and yeah, got around to Cardiff, my city. Well, I, uh, when I saw Incubus, they were the first support band on before Corn in uh, 1990. Six. Jesus. <laughs> that was back when they were a Scar Punk outfit. Oh, yeah, yeah, back in the enjoying yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, there you go. Okay, let's leave that be. They have, they have a new album, I I know they're doing it. It's eight. It's eight, sorry. It's eight. Really yeah, good. I listened to it the other day. It's really good. Really good. Yeah, 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 I listened to it the other day. Yeah, enjoying it. Still loving Incubus. Yeah. yeah I've, I've always liked Incubus as a band, so, yeah. So, yeah, American Ghost, then. That's the next. That's cheap for two. What can I say? Well, it's awesome. It's fucking amazing. I, the first episode, um, yeah, was everything I think I'd wanted, but didn't realize I wanted it. Mm. And, and the second episode, I, I, I could sit and watch Peter Stormare as Chernobog all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Gillian Anderson as media. Yeah. Oh, Gillian Anderson was stunning as, yeah. as, as media. I love Lucy. That whole bit was just wonderful. Yeah, Chilliburg. And Mr. Nancy was well cast as well. Yeah, and I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more Mr. Nancy in, in, in episodes to come, but I honestly could have watched Peter Stormare all day, and that was perfect. You know, that it, that it took up pretty much the entire episode, absolutely fine with me. Yeah. And could happily have had more. Yeah. He, you know, he used my fantasy casting for that part, and 
he's in it and he is as good as I thought he would be. Yeah. Cannot cannot fault it. No. <laughs> no. Literally can't fault it. I think my uh, okay. I guess my my only minor thing would be they didn't focus on Laura coming back enough in that first sequence. So when Shadow wakes up and Laura is at the end of the bed and talking to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, in um, episode two. Yeah. yeah. They didn't spend enough time doing that conversation. No. Yeah, it was That's the only sure. thing for me. It was very, very quick. Um, yeah, she just says, he said he, he said I was dead, puppy. And yeah. Then, and and then that was it. it. Yeah. Uh, it, that needed more for me. Yeah. I think they might spread that out, though. Well, I, I think they are, and I think they're trying to build the mystery around that. Yeah. It's just that I know what's happening and why, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just wanted to get on with it. <laughs> but there is a certain amount of me watching this going, just get on with it, until Peter Stormare turned up, and I'm just like, no, nope, let's carry on with this yeah. scene all day. <laughs> Quite happily watching this all day. Uh, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the next episode and seeing how... Um, the other the other sister is portrayed. Yeah. Um I think for me, the one thing I remember most from reading the book is the first scene with Bill Quest. So I was really intrigued to see how they were gonna handle that. Yes, I was and I, I and I was surprised at how they did. Yeah. It, it didn't go the way I thought it would. No. And then they did it again in episode two and yeah. did more of it. Uh and you know, yeah, it it, it works. It works in the way that I, I just never kind of, I, I kind of saw it in much more of a, I don't know, kind of arachnidy, insecty type of way that, you know, she was dislocating herself yeah. and, and literally swallowing someone rather than... Actually pushing them in yeah, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a bit different to how I, how I imagined it, but still, you know, very fucking brave of a, of a yeah. TV show to go down that The amount of nudity in this is insane. You know, they're not, they're not afraid to show a penis in no, this. They're really not. <laughs> Which is, you know, that, that I think that's brilliant. And I love the fact that, you know, they're, they're going down the route of uh, making... A big deal over what happened with Laura and and uh, Robbie. Yeah. It's not HBO, is it? No, it's, it's not. It's, no, it's, it's Stars. It's Stars. Yeah. yeah. That's... But Stars are swords and sandals. They're Spartacus. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So they're no strangers to the odd dick. Indeed, so, yeah. yeah. They're, 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 they're quite happy to have throbbing members kicking around <laughs> on, on set all day. That's fair, yeah, that's fair play. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was HBO for a second. But then, yeah, it's on Amazon and it stars. Yeah. But no, a fucking amazing job. Although, I, I was a bit gutted they cut it off where they did with the checkers match. Uh-huh. I thought I, I was expecting them to at least go one line further. And I, I no, I can't see. Yeah, indeed. So I'm not, I'm not going to say it. I finally got my copy of the comic as well. Um, yeah, I saw. I finally yeah, got, yeah. got, got issue one of it eventually, um, <laughs> which basically finishes with the Bill Quest scene. Yeah, the first, the first comic finishes with the Bill Quest scene. Uh, yeah, yeah, I am liking the the kind of coming to America interludes. Yes, they're, they're very good. 
they're very well done. I, the Mr. Nancy one I thought was so well done. Yeah, the bike, the open one, the biking one was great as well. Mm. In episode one, I'm looking forward to seeing some more of those. So yes, yeah, American Gods, totally everything I hoped it was going to be, and more. Just more Peter Stormare. Because <laughs> I, I, I could literally watch him all day. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the first thing was that I saw him in. I don't know, because I know he's in Constantine as Satan, and he's genius yeah. in that, in the film. Um, is he not in Prison Break? He is in Prison Break, yes, but I think I'd seen Constantine before Prison yeah. Break. So I'm trying to remember what the first thing was that I saw him in, and I can't honestly remember. But uh, yeah, he, he's been utterly brilliant in everything I've ever seen him in. And he's note perfect for that role. Yeah. Well, the casting as a whole has been fantastic, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Like, I think Ian McShane's Mr. Wednesday is perfect. Uh, yeah. He, he and I love so the good. fact, I love the fact that it's really, really subtle that one of his eyes is slightly off-colour to the other. Yeah, and it looks really... slightly glassy at times. Yeah. And yeah, they've done a really, really good, subtle job of that. Yeah, really enjoy that. He, he, if, you, if you look for it, you can't spot it. It's There's moments where you just catch a glimpse of his right eye being slightly off. Yeah. And it's really, really good. So well done. Yes. So well done, stars. And everyone involved in yeah. that show. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It, it, is, it, it is perfect. So yeah, fair play to you. Yeah. Cool. What have we got left? Have got anything left? Well, what's Eddie. Eddie. Yes. So I think one of the cool things about doing a podcast is when people come up to you and say, We're, we've got this film, it's going... Runs the uh, festival circuit. Would you mind giving it a watch? What do you think? And go, yes, of course. Uh, so I got sent a screen link for this little short film called Eddie. Um, billed as a as a dark comedy sort of sci-fi horror type of thing. Um, we watched it just before the show. What were your first impressions? I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think I I very much knew where it was going from a couple of minutes in. And yeah. I think uh, it was. Like probably about a quarter of the way through, I said to you what I thought was happening, and and yeah, it was <laughs> yeah, it was spot on. Um, but it's it's enjoyable. It's it's an interesting kind of sci-fi bleak horror romp. Yeah, I think I think yeah, it has that um, moon esque fulfillment. Mm. Of where the of where the lead and well, where the the subject and the doctor end up going mm. towards the end. Um, I think for me it was very very reminiscent of uh, a game I played not so long ago. I, I played. Well, I was dying to play the DGX when we went last year, but I never managed to get to it. Which is it was a Green Man gaming one uh, called the Bunker, which is a kind of live action. Uh, First, well, it's not even first person. It's a live action adventure game, in the same way as the Quantic Dream ones are, but rather than being three D CGI stuff, it's actually live action footage. So it was very, very reminiscent of that. Uh, and so yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, it. It was it was a nice, a nice take on on, on that kind of idea. Yeah, it's so it follows. A doctor and his test subject called Eddie, who doesn't say a word, doesn't interact, is more or less a zombie. They're not sure why, whether it's zombie virus or radiation poisoning or what. It's never explicitly 
stated. Um, I'm going to go with radiation poison. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd go with that as well. Um, and yeah, and especially one man trying to, well, trying to understand, understand catalog another subject, understand this unresponsive subject. So it, it falls into themes of loneliness. Um, isolation yeah monotony in, in routine post-apocalyptic and, yeah. but in but done in a very British post-apocalyptic way that yeah. it's in the arse end of nowhere and when I say moon-esque if you say moon you know you possibly know where it's going but you also know what I mean about dealing with the uh, the isolation that comes from not just being on your own but being stuck in a routine as mm-hmm. well yeah it, it so tackles that I think it needs to stick with a theme because um, you get the very sort of comedy melody with the title when mm-hmm. it comes up, and I don't think it needs to play play it funny at all. I think it works better uh, in like the last half of it when it's getting tenser and the doctor is clearly beginning to struggle with the stress of being alive. I'm trying to remember who it is that the Doctor reminds because there's an actor that I keep seeing in my mind that I think should be playing that, and he's an Irish guy. Um, he's a comedian, and I I think he should be that character of the Doctor. Oh, uh... Is it David... David Doherty? Yes. Yeah. David Doherty. I think he... That, that, that's who I see in that role. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I was alright with the casting. No, I was, I was yeah. totally fine with the casting. It's just when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that, that would be perfect for him. But that was just Yeah. So, yeah, I think it tackled those things. It, well, it looked at those things for sure. It certainly tackled them in the, the reveal mm, towards yeah. the end. Um, yeah. I, 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 enjoyed, I really enjoyed the music of it. I thought the, the, the soundtrack was excellent. Yes. Um... The soundtrack was. Uh, I'm an audio guy. Well, indeed, yeah. So there, yeah. I always look for the technical sound elements in a film, and some of them, like there are some footsteps right towards the end where the foley is just off. It's marginal, but it's just enough. For me, it was the first sound effect of the film was that creaky <laughs> sound <laughs> effect that is used in fucking everything. Um, Visually, it was really good. It's a really lovely shot selection. Um, yeah, it's just a really well put together film. Well, and you can see why it's won four awards already. Absolutely, like, yeah. It, it's a great concept. It's very, very well executed. And, you know, I, I, and, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so it's one for best makeup, best horror makeup. Mostly. I think the makeup, yeah, certainly the makeup, I think, was one of the best things about it. It was very, very well done. And it's one of the best horror film as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's... It's always it's nice when, when, a, when a short film can appeal to multiple genres. Yeah. That's, I've always loved that. That's why I always love Neil Gaiman stuff, because it always crosses genres. Yeah, solid. It's a really good piece of film. Would I love them. Would recommend. Hope it um, goes on. So it is due for release in July. Um, and it's designed as part of a larger... Um, ongoing series it's kind of a proof of concept of an idea so I think in in the longer series if it gets picked up we'll find out more questions or more answers to uh, some of the questions like what's the fascination with that pen 
Ah, well, I, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether whether I can go into it now, but it, it no, no, I can't because it'll spoil it. Okay. The pet is a spoiler. Explain it to me afterwards. Yeah, I will do. Because I obviously missed it. Damn it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's solid. It's really really good. Uh, a few very minor technical issues with some of the audio, but the story. That's just because you're in there. Yeah, it's because I'm audio. <laughs> but the the story, the filming, the performances, all really really good. Um, so, so well done, everyone. Awesome. Keep an eye out for Eddie coming in July. Cool. I think, I think we've smashed everything in. I think we have, sir. I think we've managed everything <laughs> in, in, in our allotted time. Okay, so looking towards the next episode, um, we'll be doing a UK Games Expo preview, so we'll be coming towards that. Yep, um, we're hitting end of season finales for pretty much all of this season's shows. Yep, uh, Spindles will be talking me down off the ledge because I'll be seeing Alien Covenant this week. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, don't, I, I really don't relish that task, folks. So... <laughs> We'll have reviews of Alien Covenant and reviews of Colossal by the time the next film, uh, next film, next tape, um, tape, record, record. <laughs> Jesus, God damn it, you turned 80s. Yeah, so that's coming up next time, but that's all for this show. So, you know how the show ends, yeah? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other. See you doing our hands! Ta-da! <laughs>